If you're not in Ethos, it's a great time to check one out. They're in your bulletin. Just pick one. If you don't like that one, go to another one. Uh, just bop around. If you're a student, we really want you there. What we can offer that uh, campus cannot offer, we can offer you old people. We have those in our church. We have those in our group, and they are there to build you up and encourage you. What's well, good to be back uh, preaching? I've been preaching about about three weeks. Uh, this past week. I was with my two oldest children. We were in uh, Montego Bay, Jamaica. We were touring a couple of orphanages. I was checking some things out. Perhaps we, as a church, will do an orphan vision trip uh, there in the future. Uh, But when I go on on mission trips, uh, I come back angry. I don't know why, but I just come back angry. I'm not not sure if that's what it's supposed to do, but I get very angry. Anybody else get angry on mission trips? Well, I get angry. I get angry when I see just just kids in orphanages that are going to be there for years uh, a lot of injustice uh, going on. Um, it was very, very sad. And, and, and I think that part of seeing injustice in our world, I mean, oppression, uh, poverty, uh, whether it's in Chicago or around the world, I think part of, uh, of the tendency we may have is when we, when we see these things is kind of shield ourselves and go back to our comforts. And that's what I want to do. I want to be comfortable. I want to go back to my house and just kind of forget about what I saw. But, but I don't think that's, that's God's heart. God wants us to engage the suffering in our world. And we don't always know how to do that. But there's in a sense where it's, it's healthy to stay uh, a, a little bit angry when we see things in the world that are not quite right and where we can engage and, and maybe do something. And so as I always kind of start the new year off, kind of all back together, I want, I want to go to the Lord in prayer and think about those areas in your life where you can engage, where there may be some suffering and injustice, where you can bring some compassion. Let's, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to follow your heart, and we know your heart... Um, it is for those who are suffering, the widow, the orphan, um, the refugee, and we want to follow your heart. We know your heart is here in Chicago as um, the, uh, there's been a lot of um, murders this past year. We you know your heart is for justice, racial reconciliation. And we see a lot of things in our world that are just broken. And may we not cover up the brokenness with our little comfortable trivialities where we just go back and we just entertain ourselves to death and ignore the suffering of this world because there are people, Lord, that you are calling us to engage, people who don't know Jesus, people who need us to be with them, to care for them, to love them, to encourage them. Lord, let us not be people who check out and hide ourselves in the comforts and the trivialities of this world, but may engage the suffering, even if it makes us uncomfortable, even when we find ourselves in situations that, that we're going to be miserable for a while because we're helping others. So, Lord, stir us up as individuals, stir us up as a church to engage where your heart is at in this world. And this morning, may your word come alive and speak truth to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, we're back in James. We'll be in James for a couple more weeks. Let's go ahead and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. This morning we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and stand. I'm going to read you the verses. As I read this, I want you to pay attention to the words patience and steadfastness, starting in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. You may be seated. See if you can track with me right now. We would all agree that radical steps of faith are very encouraging. I have heard and seen stories of people who have sold all their stuff, packed it all up, left to go overseas to spread the gospel. It's very encouraging. We've heard of stories of students sharing their gospel aggressively on campus in a loving manner. That's very encouraging. I get pumped when I see a young couple in our church about to get married. They are staying pure and holy, and they're starting off their marriage right for Jesus. It's very encouraging. I've had stories of business people in our church who are starting out in business, living very ethical lives, making hard decisions when they're pressed to lie and to cheat, but standing firm in the Word of God. We have families within our church who are encouraged to step out on faith and adopt children, and they are are doing that in a way that that is proper and right, and I'm very encouraged by that. We have stories all over the place of people who have taken great risk to live out their faith in Jesus Christ, and these stories make great blog posts. These stories make great um, things you might want to read on Facebook. But I'm going to take it up here now. Let me tell you something even more encouraging. It's the couple that went to the mission field many years ago, took a risk of faith, and they're still there, plugging along in faithfulness. It's the student that is bold in sharing their faith, but now that student is around 60, and they've grown up, and they're still bold for Jesus. It's the couple who has uh, adopted a child, and things are not so easy, and yet they're still persevering, staying with it, pressing on. It's, it's the businessman or woman who started strong ethically, but as they move up the ladder, they are still strong and following the Lord. You see, what I'm getting at here is that it is encouraging as we see people take great risk and start strong, and we see these stories that make great blog posts. But let me tell you this. What's more encouraging is we see these stories of enduring faithfulness as they display great legacies. 
We see the lives of men and women who are not just doing these stories for a quick story that you can be encouraged on Facebook, but they are passing on their character to the next generation so they can be imitated. What I want is not only to start strong and following Christ and taking risk, but I want to be that guy that keeps going with enduring faithfulness. And I'm assuming that's what you want to be also, where you can have a vision and a dream from God and you're going to follow it. He's going to tell you to take risk and you start strong, but you don't tank. You keep going with enduring faithfulness, no matter the trials and no matter the hardships, you keep going. No matter what challenges you may be facing in work and your marriage, your relationships, school, no matter what, you have a vision. God has empowered you by his word. No matter what trials you face, you will keep going going with enduring faithfulness. That is basically the gist of the passage this morning. James is spurring on this troubled church to a life of enduring faithfulness. Kind of bring you up to speed, if you may remember, this is an oppressed church. This is a church that was very poor, and they were abused by rich landowners who withheld their wages and manipulated them legally. But James is encouraging them to stand firm in their faith and live a life of enduring faithfulness. That's what I want to encourage you this morning, to live a life of enduring faithfulness. No matter the trials, no matter the challenges, to keep following Christ no matter what. And I want to give you a little bit of organization today. For some of you, you like structure as we go through these passages We see in verses 7 and 8 this call to enduring faithfulness. And then we're going to see what it doesn't look like in verses 9 and 12. And then what it does look like in verses 10 and 11. So the structure is the call to enduring faithfulness, what it doesn't look like, and what it does look like. Let me give you a little phrase or catchphrase to latch on to that my wife gave me two days ago. She did not know that she was actually giving me a catchphrase for my sermon. It was great. She was, she was talking to me, and she has been seeing my life, and she has been seeing that I've been, I've been undergoing an unusual amount of angst. No, that's not true. For those of you who know me, I'm always going, uh, undergoing a lot of angst, right? My, my poor staff, they have to deal with me every week, and I'm just, ugh. Uh, which, is, which is to say, I have a very hard time sitting still when there seems to be so much to be done, and I have a hard time sitting still when there are a lot of challenges that I'm facing that I, that I want to see resolved. I have a hard time sitting still and undergoing sufferings while I'm still waiting them to be all, all worked out. And so she said, she said, I have two words of encouragement for you. And this is basically what she said. She, she, this is what her phrase is. She says, patience and there's a purpose. She's like a word from the Lord to me. Patience, and there's a purpose. And, and I would say that nails the passage today. Be patient, for there is a purpose. In your trial, be patient, for there is a purpose. In the unknown, while you wait... Be patient, for there is a purpose. That's what James wants us to see. 
And I hope that you're encouraged by that this morning as we see this life of enduring faithfulness. Let's go ahead and jump in the passage. Verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. The charge or the call here is to patiently endure suffering until the coming of the Lord. Now, in a moment, James is going to try to get the church to look backwards at the prophets in Job to encourage them from biblical history by looking back. But right now, he wants them to look forward. He wants them to look into the future and see that Jesus is going to come back. They can patiently endure through their trial. They can patiently endure at the hands of evil people because Jesus is going to come back and rescue them. Jesus will come back for judgment. There will become a time where the rich uh, oppressors will be put down. There will be this reversal when Christ comes back where Christians will be delivered and the oppressors will be judged. But in the meantime... They must patiently endure like a farmer. Look at verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Believers are to imitate the farmer. Once the farmer has done the prep work out in the fields, all that's left is to wait for the crop. The farmer cannot force the rain, but the farmer has to wait for God to bring the rain, the early rains to get the ground ready, and the late rains to bring forth the crop. And verse 8 hammers home the point. Verse 8, you also be patient Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. As you wait, establish your heart and inwardly root yourself in the coming of the Lord. You are to imitate the farmer. I don't know about you, but I would, I would make a terrible farmer. I, I would. I would just, I would be like, let's just get stuff growing here. Let's get going. But no, the, the farmer, he can't control the rain. He has to wait with patience. And you cannot control your trial. You cannot make Jesus come back right now. You have to wait for the Lord's timing. You have to wait for your trial to unfold. You have to wait with the word that we all hate. You have to wait with patience. You know, in a race and in many life endeavors, you are called to Start strong. Like you guys are starting a new term right now. Many of you, start strong. I was listening to a podcast yesterday about starting uh, uh, the first 90 days of a new job. You want to start strong. And as we we go along in life and as we go along uh, on the term, and you want to be told to finish strong, right? You ever heard that before? Come on, finish strong. You can do it. Finish strong. So you want to to start strong and you want to finish strong and you want me to give you motivational speeches for both. But what do you say in the middle? Like, I've already started strong. Remember that? It's barely. I can't see the finish line. I'm in the middle. Give me a motivational speech. Uh, middle strong? 
start strong, finish strong, middle strong? Is that what you, that what you need? And that's, that's basically, that's the hard part, right? We're all good at starting stuff and we'll put up with it to finish, but in the middle, where patience is needed, where endurance is needed, where that stick to itness is needed, where the trial and the suffering seems to be way too much, you just want to bail out, the word to you from the Lord is, be patient. Calm down. Let's do some middle strong here. The Lord's still in control. Christ is going to come back. And the encouraging word to me is that you do not have to patiently endure forever. You only have to patiently endure until you're with the Lord or it comes back. And the Bible assures us that the coming of the Lord is at hand. Jesus could come back at any moment. And the believers in James were to be expectant, and we are to be expected. A, a helpful explanation I've heard about the coming of the Lord is that um, we are living in the last days. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit has inaugurated the last days, and we are waiting for Christ to come back. And you may say, where is he? Why hasn't he come back yet? And the word assures us that he has not come back yet because God is displaying his patience and he is still giving people an opportunity to repent and to be saved. But soon and very soon, we are assured that Christ will come and he will come back. And until then, we must patiently endure. And I think what we need as we endure patiently under our trials and suffering is we need encouragement. We need encouragement from one another's life, how God's been in your life, how God's been in my life, how God has helped us to endure patiently, or he's been with us in our impatience, he's been with us in our suffering. This, Paul, uh, this past fall, we announced something called the James Story Project. If any of you remember me saying that back in the fall, the James Story Project, this is where we were going to have, uh, we're going to have stories of you, people who've had trials, and how God has been with people in their trials. Now, this is really cool. I've never heard of this happening before. But what we did since this fall, we had people paired with artists in our church who have interpreted their journey creatively. And so next week, we're going to see four pieces of artwork where we have people from our church who's talked about their suffering and how God has been with them, and, and then the artist interprets that journey creatively. But today, we're going to have one of those pieces. will actually be a song. We're going to hear at the end how God has been with someone in our congregation, and their story is going to be told uh, through song. Because it's encouraging. We, we want to know that God's actually with people and helps them through their trials and suffering so that when I'm going through a trial, that I know that God will be with me also. So that's the call to endurance. But James gives a little hint here of what, it's, uh, what it looks like not to wait for the coming of the Lord and to fail at enduring uh, uh, faithfully. This is the part I really want you to pay attention to, okay? This is what it looks like if you're not enduring faithfully. It looks like uh, grumbling. Any complainers in here? Grumbling. And it looks like foolish promises. So let's start with the grumbling part. Look at verse 9. 
Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know that when you're under trials, that when, when you're under pressure, it can make you uh, crack, and, and it could make you turn against other people and grumble against them. But be, be careful. Be careful here, because you don't want your trials to, to cause you to explode. I, I remember this? I, earlier in James, I showed you uh, this, this wonderful water bottle. And if, here's the deal. If I, if I have this water bottle, and I start shaking it violently, and water goes everywhere, and I ask you, why is water going everywhere? And you would say, it's because you are shaking it. And I would say, well... If I take this top and I put it back on here and shake it, water's not going to go everywhere, right? And so I look at your life and I ask you, why are you so grumpy? Why are you complaining so much against other people? And, And you may say, it's because other people are shaking me. They're messing with me. And I would say, that is not the case. You just blew your top. What God is doing is he wants to get at your heart and what's going on inside. If you're spending your time pointing at other people when pressures and trials are on and you're griping and complaining at other people, that is not the way to faithfully endure with endurance. A man who was struggling in his marriage uh, went to go see a pastor, and the man said to his uh, pastor, he said, you know, I just can't take this anymore. It's too much. This woman, um, she needs to deal with her issues. It's obviously she doesn't care about this marriage. And I'm just not going to put up with her anymore, Pastor. So deal with her, okay? And, and the issue that this man was talking about was six days old. And he had been married for a total of three months. So rather than waiting on God, he was resulting in grumbling and trying to find a way out. We need to check and see what's going on in our hearts. And the reason why this church seems to be turning on one another is that they're not paying attention that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back to judge. You see it there in verse 9. It says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. It's like a person standing right behind the door, and he's hearing all, and he's ready to bust in. Jesus is going to come back, and he is going to judge the wicked. And when he comes back, even among the church, he's not like he's saying, well, if you're a believer, I'm going to send you to hell. No, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with blessings and rewards, and he wants to come back to a church that is not turning on one another. He wants to come back to a church that's not complaining and grumbling because of their trials. I mean, what if... I just told you about the James Story Project where we're like pairing people with artists to interpret their journey. Well, what if your journey is a bunch of complaining and griping? Should we pair you with an artist? Did you want that? We'll create some big portrait of a big mouth and just stuff just spewing out of it. Anybody want to be paired with an artist for next week? We'll show that one too. You don't want that. We don't want to be the complaining and grumbling people when suffering and trials come our way. We do not want to be turning on one another. Not only do we not want to be complaining and grumbling, but look at, look at another uh, way that they are not waiting patiently. Look, jump down to verse 12 and this display of foolish promises. Look at verse 12. 
But above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now this verse in your, in your English Bibles, it's just a verse hanging out there loosely, and it's like, well, where does this fit? I don't see where this goes into the context of oaths and, and, and promises, but, 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 but I think the reason why it's here is that it has to do with foolish oaths and promises you may make during trials. Just let me know if this is you. Actually, don't let me know, but just think about it. Have you ever had something really hard happen to you, and you said to God, God, if you will get me out of this, then I will do such and such and such. If you will just make this relationship work out for me, I will go to church every week. And if you will just let me marry this person, we will adopt 10 kids. If you get me out of this hospital bed, then I'm going to do all these great things. I'll I'll go to the mission field for you. Because God, if you will just come through for me in my trial, then I will do great things for you. That is dramatic. Those are oaths spoken in haste. And most of you who have made such comments in your desperation probably didn't follow through when you were out of it. I think what the Word of God is getting at here is, is, is don't be dramatic. When you say something and you're committed to the Lord, just let Him deal with your heart without all the drama, without all the dramatic promises. Even if the trial never ends, be careful what you say when you're suffering. So we don't want to be those grumbling. We don't want to be those who are making dramatic promises. We want to be those who faithfully endure in the midst of trials and suffering. So what does that look like? And so this is a good place to end. What does it look like to patiently endure? What does it look like? Look at verse 10. As an example, here we go, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed to remain steadfast. Now, this is cool. James already had them looking forward. Jesus is coming back. Be faithful. Now he has them looking backwards, looking backwards, and he looks into biblical history, and he wants them to look at the prophets, how they were persecuted and endured. By the way, Jesus did this to his disciples. In the, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Throughout biblical history, people have been persecuted. The disciples were persecuted. And many of you will have pushback for your faith in Christ. And and you may wonder, well, why does that happen? Let's just think about our, our message. You can be forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ alone, through his death, burial, and resurrection. You cannot work your way to heaven. It's by grace. It's a free gift. You can turn from your sins, put your faith in Christ, and be reconciled to the Father and live forever. And you think, is there any better message than that? What is the problem with that? Why, why is there so much persecution around the world? Why would your, your friends and coworkers have an issue with that message of love and grace and forgiveness? What's the problem? Where, where's the persecution? Why is there pushback? And, and I think it's this issue right here. It's because what we're saying in the message is that you are not Lord. And if you want to go to heaven, if you want a relationship with the true Lord, you must start by admitting that you are not Lord. And you must repent of the ways that you have tried to play God. 
and must put your faith in the true God, the true Lord. And that's been the message of grace, submission to the lordship of God throughout, you know, biblical history. And so the prophets would show up speaking to the people of Israel. And Jeremiah, he was abused by his own people and persecuted by pagans. Isaiah spoke in the name of the Lord. And he was eventually killed. Ezekiel suffered greatly. Hosea, even in his marriage, trying to show the symbolism of what's going on in Israel, suffered greatly. Daniel, into exile and suffering. So when we look back in biblical history, we see a long line of prophets who were persecuted, and yet they remained faithful and endured with perseverance. But he also wants us to look at Job. Look at the life of Job in verse 11. Behold, we consider those blessed to remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Think about Job. He loses his property. His children die. His body's falling apart. And to top it off, his wife is saying, hey, Job, curse God and die. Thank you very much. What a, what, a, what a miserable existence he was having, and yet we know from the Bible that Job remained steadfast in his commitment to the Lord. He wasn't perfect, but he held on to the Lord in the midst of suffering. And we are told right here in James, look at it once again in verse 11, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Be patient, For there is a purpose. And in Job's life, he received compassion and mercy. And you know his situation eventually reversed. And I'm going to tell you this. You might not believe this. No matter what trial you're going through right now, what suffering you may endure, wherever you're at, the beginning, the middle, the end, I can assure you that your situation will reverse. If it does not reverse in this life, it will reverse in the next. You will experience the fullness and the compassion and the mercy of God when you are with the Lord Jesus forever in eternity. There may be little interventions down here where situations will reverse. But the conclusion of your story, you with me? The conclusion of your story is not sorrow and suffering forever and those who trust in Christ. There will be a reversal of your circumstances, if not in this life, for sure in the next. You need to know that as you are patient, there is a purpose. And you can experience God's mercy. You can experience his compassion in your life right now. And you may wonder, well, what exactly is the purpose of me being patient? Well, we know from the word that he's working for your good and for his glory. You may not see the resolution of all your trials and circumstances in this life. You may never know why something happened to you. You may never know that what you're going through right now, why you have to go through it. You may know later on in this life, but in eternity, when you're with the Lord, it will all seem to be resolved and you will give glory to God forever. But be patient right now. For there is a purpose. Be patient. There is a purpose. God is sovereign. He's in control of your life. He is merciful. He is gracious. 
He is kind. Now, I mentioned earlier that we have this thing called the James Story Project, and where we take the stories of you undergoing a particular trial, someone in our congregation, and it's interpreted uh, through art. Well, the first one we're going to have this morning, I'm going to go ahead and bring up uh, Tim and, and Abby Ophis as they're going to tell the story of someone in our congregation, their story, and Tim and Abby have written a song that goes along with the story that they are going to sing to you this morning. Now, as they get ready, um, we are going to go ahead and take up this morning's offering. We're going to uh, multitask here, so the ushers want to go ahead and come forward. As they get set up, we're going to do this morning's offering. We're going to give to the glory of God. We want to start the year off healthy in our giving. So if you want to go ahead and prepare uh, for the offering, the ushers will go ahead and and take up this morning's offering. Now, I want you to be encouraged by these two. They have uh, worked long and hard on this. Uh, Tim is our church planning resident, and he's been uh, planning the song along with his wife for a long time. So just listen to the story he's going to tell of someone in our congregation. And may you be encouraged of God being with you in your trials and your suffering as he creates perseverance in you for enduring faithfulness. Thanks, Jason. Uh, We had the chance to talk with Kate Hughes, and uh, we sat down. She shared her story, and uh, Abby and I reflected on uh, some of the, you know, key themes and just tried to to think through um, some of the things that God had done in her life. And the thing that really struck us, there was an amazing moment in her life when she came to know Jesus. Her, Her dad was not a believer, and uh, they were driving in the North Woods. He, he loved being up in the North Woods. And they just stumbled upon this camp called Honey Rock. I don't know if you know that. It's Wheaton, uh, Wheaton College's camp. And uh, it is really hard to stumble upon Honey Rock. Uh, if any of you have ever been there, um, it's really God's hand bringing her to Honey Rock. And while she was there, uh, she came to know Jesus. And the, the verse that Honey Rock, uh, the, the name Honey Rock comes from is Psalm 81.16. Uh, it says, you will be fed with the finest of wheat, uh, with honey from the rock, I will satisfy you. And we felt like that was a fitting theme for, for Kate's story. Uh, despite all these different trials and difficulties, God was providing for her and God was, um, God is her, her satisfaction ultimately. And Abby wrote the words, I'm going to let her share just briefly about the, the verses and then we'll, we'll sing it for you. Um, So there's three verses, and the first one is kind of about Kate's childhood. She um, had to, her parents separated, she moved from Chicago to Wheaton and just kind of felt um, alone there, but then there was a Christian community there that really brought her in and became like family to her. And then um, the second verse is about stumbling upon Honey Rock and meeting God there. And then the third verse is just about... um, um, in adulthood, she's kind of gone through a lot of suffering, a lot of loss, especially in a one like few month period, lost a grandmother, a beloved dog, and then lost a baby to miscarriage. And so just kind of working through that even through all of these trials that she's gone through, that God is still with her. And it was cool to see that just throughout her life, this thread of um, trials, but then God's faithfulness um, through all of that. city 
town Little mother Caring made you grow up fast Had to leave your father sleeping driving through the pines and I lead you to the place I prepared for you you tasted living water experienced my love chosen daughter given and received from without within these were the ones you of grief may hide my face chosen daughter Satisfy you.